Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the of the European show. Today it's it's just me and Nick. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to just the two of us. Yeah, it'd be just the two of us now for a bit until we manage to get another guest on. But we we both thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed last episode. And if we can get any close to, to what we produced then, just between the two of us, then we'll be will be so happy and and if you I can hear the emotion in your voice jack you really are delighted yeah I, I am and if 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 you have continued to listen to this from that episode thank you and i i hope you you do stay around and don't leave us <laughs> but yet yeah, we're we're first going to start with italy and the Coppa italia with the uh, with the milan derby catching catching all the headlines Mainly for the wrong reasons, to to be honest. So it it finished two one to Inter Milan, but it was a game where AC Milan, in fact, started a lot more brightly and had the better chances. With Inter still getting some half chances, but Milan's were were a lot better. But um, but it there was, it was also both goalies made some some great saves throughout the game as well, not just in the first half. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I love Tatarushano as a goalkeeper, Milan's sub, right? And he has such a great performance. He pulled out these two really, really good saves and then one or other pretty important one. I was delighted with the way he played. He was just such a joy to watch. Especially considering the fact that you're stuck behind a keeper, the quality of Donnarumma most of the time. Being able to have a game like that with very little game time is quite impressive. And then... AC Milan managed to open the scoring with a with an Ibrahimovic goal, a nicely taken shot past Andanovic, and yeah, it put Milan one 0 up. But and it didn't help for Inter that they continued to fade in and out of the game. But it Milan then began to self implode. It it all began really when Zlatan Ibrahimovic got a yellow card for for getting in a scuffle, should I say, with Romelu Lukaku the. The root of that scuffle being being unknown still to this day, with it being either Ibrahimovic has said something racist, which has been disputed, or that he said something about Lukaku's mum. So, because we're all about insightful football analysis here, who do you think will win in a fight, Nick? Ibrahimovic versus Lukaku. <laughs> no, I don't think. If you don't think Lukaku would win, who do you think could, could beat Ibrahimovic in a fight? No, I mean obviously Ibra is winning. In 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 my in fairness, I'm pretty sure Ibra is like would be like unbeatable in football. Just how could how could he lose to anyone? He's tall. He's massive. He's just he's athletic, and he's a black belt in like karate or something. Who could take him? I just, I just don't think he's beatable. Is he even human? You don't know, dude. I I I did think that um that Lukaku could have actually pulled up a decent fight and maybe even beat Ibrahimovic. You could say that that's a statement as rash as my Napoli winning the Scudetto statement, but yeah, I'm all about rash statements. I, I think you're an idiot. Ibra would roundhouse kick roundhouse kick poor Lukaku and it'd be over for him. It'd be good night. But speaking of powerful kicks, did you see that Lukaku penalty? Yeah, was... after a series of events that led to Milan's 
implosion. Ibrahimovic then gets sent off for a stupid tackle in the second half. And then Rafael Leal gives away a penalty, which Lukaku then, I wouldn't say step, he more of strides up to take the penalty, which he equalised as well. And and you could see in his run-up how, how, how much power would have been in that shot and it showed as it, as it smashed in off the crossbar. And then Inter managed to get in the game more. And then in the, in the dying minutes, Christian Eriksen, the man who, who is outcasted from the, from the Inter first team, comes on and scores, scores the winning goal from, from a, a, a nice free kick as well to, to send Milan out of the Coppa Italia. Sadly, this is probably unlikely to save his Inter career, but, but at least he's trying. But I, I do think there is a there's a sense of karma here, really, with with Ibrahimovic starting a fight with the Kaku, then getting sent off, then them losing the game in general, and it really did, did come back to bite him in the ass, and it, it just makes up for this. Just shows the character Ibrahimovic is, as in the space of a week, he was able to talk shit to Duvan Zapata for. Milan to lose that game as well, 3-0, and it's happened again here. So, clearly, Ibrahimovic hasn't learned a lesson. One of the more interesting quarterfinals in the Covitelli was Atalanta against Lazio. Lazio took the lead through a Muricic goal, but then Atalanta were able to to equalise through, and not through their centre-back, Jamichi. But then, my pick of the goals... Was Francisco Acerbi of of Lazio? He picks a ball up in the in midfield and decides to go on a nice darting slalom run, where he manages to dribble past most of the Atalanta team, and then finally and scoring a nice, a finely taken shot with his right foot, even though he's left footed, which is quite amusing, especially considering the fact that he he is a defender. And then Ruskin Malinowski scores the scores the equaliser, and then Miranchuk wins it for Atalanta as well. Someone we talked about in in the last episode. What was surprising about this game was the fact that Atalanta also had a man sent off, and Lazio dominated the end of the game, but they were still able to to hold on. Atalanta had the chance to extend the lead with a with the Zupa. Duvan Zapata penalty, but but he sadly missed. But what's more interesting is the fact that these two teams play each other in again at the weekend, which is becoming quite an occurrence in in most game in most leagues as well. With with Roma playing Spezia last week and then playing them again at the weekend, and obviously this is this has happened now. And then in the other semi final was Juventus four Spezia nil. Pick of the goals was Fran Botta, the left back who scored his first goal for Juventus as well. The semi finals for the Coppa Italia are Inter versus Juve and Atalanta versus Napoli or Spezia, which is played on Thursday night when we are recording this. But some news from Napoli it is that they, they released a statement the other day saying that the board and the players had a meeting and showed when. Unison that they had trust in in Gattuso, 
which is quite surprising considering the fact they're still in the title race, don't you think? No, yeah, I would say they're still in the title race. I don't consider them real contenders yet. I know your opinion on this. You've you've made it very clear. And, it, well, I still have you on record saying that Napoli are going to win the league. I don't think that's possible, but they can try. They're definitely in the European race, but I just don't think they have the, the, the confidence right now. If they had to take a vote of confidence on the manager, like, yeah, they, they clearly think that, that, that he can still keep on leading them. But that doesn't mean that they're in like a, a morally good, in a, in a good place in terms of morale. So I don't think that they'll be able to, to just mount together the, the string of wins that is needed for a real title charge. You're clearly just kicking me in the teeth man, about my... About my... Uh, if you say something like that, I can't let you forget it. That, that's, that is true. And I, I, I'll probably live to forget it as well. At the weekend, as I said... Atalanta playing Lazio in the pick of the pick of the games. Milano against Bologna. It'll be interesting to see who Ibrahimovic decides to shit talk in this game. Into Milano against Benevento. It should be the type of game where they would lo- usually pick up points, but they could also possibly slip up. And Juventus against Sampdoria. So it'll be interesting to see whether aging Fabio Quagliarella is able to to punish Juventus. So we're going to have our, our break now and then we'll be back with, with Spain and, and the Bundesliga. Welcome back from, from the break. We're going to start with Spain now where there were some Copa del Rey matches. We'll first start with Barcelona. Who played Rio Vallecano and actually triumphed two one. Barcelona actually dominated this game for the for the most part of it. And Roni denied from scoring the opener after some heroic defending by Vallecano. But then um but then Barcelona did the classic Barcelona thing and conceded from some poor defending and which gave Rio Vallecano a shock early lead. Yeah, Barcelona's defending recently. We talk about teams defending badly all the time. I talk about Barcelona defending badly all the time. I mean, it's, it, it's just something that we just always have to bring up because it always happens and it's always really dangerous and miraculously didn't cost them a point today. But Lenglet was as bad as ever, just letting letting a second division striker just slide right past him. And then there was just no marking when he crossed it in. But fortunately, they, they managed to get away with it when they when they scored two goals later on, one from Messi, in which Griezmann just slipped past the Rayo Vallecano defense and they just didn't realize and just let him, let him kept, keep running. I don't know, they might have thought he was offside or something, but he just left everyone far behind him and then cross, squares the ball to Messi, who scores it. And then a, a goal from, from Frankie de Jong, who again... Uh, bad defending by, by Rayo Vallecano once again letting uh, a Barcelona forward just pierce through them and just stay ahead who again scores it to De Jong who was unmarked and slid in so at the end of the day Rayo put up a good fight but tiredness, fitness, experience got the better of them and well it's it's a game of positives and negatives for it was a game of positives and negatives for Barcelona really the, the negatives obviously being overall they didn't play that well and the the terrible terrible defending, but the, the the positives are of course, well they won 
and Frankie is beginning to to really settle into his new role as a kind of attacking midfielder, center forward kind of kind of idea. And he's just beginning to produce a lot of a lot of go- because a lot of goals and and lots of assists and and more than that because he didn't just score; he created a lot of danger in 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 just taking shots at goal, troubling the opposition goalkeeper, running in behind defenders. And well, of course, he, he wasn't against the hardest opposition, but the, the more he gets used to it, the better he gets. And and he, this can be a real useful asset to to Barcelona. However, for this to work, they do need a. a a more controlled midfielder. They need someone to cover his spot when he goes up. And in my opinion, that's Ricky Puig. I say this all the time. And today, Ricky played, and it was incredibly noticeable. I mean, last episode with Jack, with Jack Collins, we talked about how much faster the the Barcelona midfielder is when 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 Ricky's on, and it was just extremely noticeable. They were so much more organized. They got the ball up much faster. They they moved Rayo's defense around in a way that they couldn't cope with. And and well, it 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 also allowed Frankie to go up further, and and it showed. It, it just overall that was the best part of Barcelona's game, Rigi and and Frank and Frankie, just this one tactical connection. It worked extremely well for them, and well, hopefully, Coman will find a way to 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 solve his his defensive mistakes and just look forward and keep moving through the through the cup. However, that they may come up against a stumbling block. Who in the team who I think are quite two I would put as my favourites to win the Copa del Rey, and that's Sevilla, who beat Valencia three 0 in in a game where well in last episode and this series was compared to Prime R nine, and so then in this episode we've decided to coin Luke de Jong Prime Van Basten after. After his performance in this game against Valencia, where he scored two goals, in showing why Sevilla have clearly the two best players, two best strikers in La Liga, after Luis Suarez. But what was interesting about this game is the fact that um, that Jules Koundé, who I am a big fan of, was playing right back and actually seemed to do pretty well, providing an assist for for De Jong's second goal, in fact. But then also, even Rakitic finished Valencia off with a nicely taken, chipped goal for the third. But the biggest talking point out of Sevilla this week was definitely Alejandro Gomez finally moving to Sevilla from Atalanta. So, Nick, how do you think Gomez is going to fit in in this severe team, I'm not entirely sure. I'm a little bit app- apprehensive about the the tactics of his signing, because he's used to be to playing in a in an advanced role, but just behind the striker. So you know, as a bit of a centre forward, as a bit of an attacking midfielder, somewhere in between those two spots. And Sevilla don't traditionally play with that, at least not under Lopetegui right now. So he's gonna have to find a way either to fit him in midfield and just and just have a and just change from his pretty solid, pretty pretty just robust midfield into someone who just ventures up a lot more and, and also ask Papu Gomez to defend more. Or what I was thinking would be more possible was to to slot him into into right wing where Sousa usually plays and doesn't impress very regularly. And Jesus Navas pushes up that wing a lot anyways, which would allow Papu Gomez to really just bring himself inside 
and, and play a lot more as an inverted winger and create danger that way. And of course, he's a player of enormous, enormous quality. So I like when it comes to that, I, I, I think he, he, he will be able to adapt. So do you think, do you, do you think he's going to be a game changer for Zaria in games that they have either not look as threatening or as convincing? Do you think he's going to completely change that? Certainly, 100, 100%. If, if Lopetegui manages to fit him into his team, he will revolutionize an already powerful Sevilla. Because, well, I, I said it, right? He's a player of tremendous quality and he is he brings something new to the team, which is just which is just an intelligent way of playing and a, and a skillful way of playing through the center. Because, because Sevilla are a team that plays a lot down the wings with their, with their fullbacks pushing up a lot. And then wingers, Ocampos and, and Suso, really just running down a lot. But with Papu Gomez, suddenly they they have a way of receiving the ball in the middle and then turning turning a lot better. So it just diversifies the ways in which they can attack. And that is huge. That is so, so important. And it, and it, it would make Sevilla much more dangerous. And across from across Seville, Real Betis played Real Sociedad again after last weekend where Joaquin obviously turned up and rescued a point for Betis. But in this game, Betis won 3-1 after extra time. In in a game which is most interesting because of the lack of visibility on the pitch due to the amount of fog in Seville. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fun game to watch. It was very interesting and and well, extra interesting because of just just a few days since 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 the last time they played, Real Sociedad choked against Betis for the second time. They they took the lead early on with with Oyarzabal scoring, and I mean. They're a good team and they were dominant and it showed until Yeramendi got sent off just a bit after just a bit after the second half started. And then well really that really just allowed Betis to get back into it. And even though Sanabria, the striker, got sent off, it didn't matter too much because shortly after Canales, essentially the, the ticking heart of of Betis's offense scored a goal and sent the, the game to extra time. And there miraculously Borja Iglesias uh, a, a striker who had signed with Betis with high expectations and hadn't managed to perform recently, he scored two goals, and really that was what what sent Betis through. It was a bit of a shame because Rasusidad are really tumbling, and our, and they they just need a boost in confidence. But Betis deserved to win in the end, and and, and they did, and they are now through to the next to the next round. How do you think Real Sociedad can? can address this freefall they're actually in because it's been a, a number of weeks now that they haven't been performing up to scratch anymore, really. I would have said uh, get Martin Odegaard back on loan, but he's gone to Arsenal. He would have helped him just so much. He already knows the team. He's, he's already proven himself. and He's already proven that he can be an important part of the of Rasida. And he also fills in the, the gap that David Silva has left with, with, with his injury. But now that they can't get him, because he's gone to Arsenal, they're in a bit of a tricky spot. So, I mean, I would just mostly say they just have to hold on, try and just try and get one good result. And then once they get that, they should just use it to... Use that to lift their confidence and get back into the way they were playing before. Because now it's really just... It's not even a tactic thing or, or, or something like that. It's just the players aren't performing as well as they were at the start of the season. So they just need to remember how good they were and just put all of that back in. 
And then we have a bit of a upset as well in Spain with um with Almeida playing Osasuna, albeit Osasuna are languishing in the bottom half of La Liga, just above the relegation zone. And with Almeida winning 5-4 on penalties, and so this is another La Liga team getting knocked out of of the Copa del Rey. And so at the weekend, Athletic Bilbao playing Barcelona again. It seems to be every other episode we're talking about Athletic Bilbao versus Barcelona. And so they're playing again. And obviously Barcelona lost to them and beat them as well in the space of two weeks. So do you think Barcelona can, can win again or, or lose again? Or are we going to see a situation where they draw? Well, Barcelona did not play well last game. And they also used a lot of starters. So they will be quite tired going to this, into this next game. And I mean, Athletic Bilbao also played in midweek. But the way I see it, they Barcelona is a team that has that is highly affected by psychology and I'm, I know I, always, I, I often talk about the mentality of teams and how they need to play but Barcelona is just either, either Koeman needs to completely revolutionize his tactics from what from how he lost in the in the Super Cup to just surprise Athletic Bilbao and surprise, and surprise Marcelino or else Marcelino who's just arrived at, at Bilbao and hit the ground running is just going to get the better of him because he already knows how, how to play and uh, and he he played really well last game. He played his team really well, so it wasn't it wasn't just a fluke that oh they just sat back and counterattack. No, he he generally like stood his own. So I I'm I'm fairly sure I I consider Athletic Bilbao a slight favourites here. They don't quite have the quality that Barcelona in theory have, but they have both the confidence and the and clearly the tactics and in my opinion the better manager. So I would consider them slight favourites. Whether where they will win. I, I don't think it's certain because anything can happen in football, can't it? But I, 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 but I think they're taking away the three points uh, this weekend. And as you said, anything can happen in football, and we may see Kadif perform another upset against one of the big boys. As this time they're playing Atletico Madrid, to be interesting to see whether they can add to their tally of Barcelona and Real Madrid both being beaten. Absolutely, Cadiz have cemented themselves as giant killers this season, but Atleti are just too strong. I don't, I don't think they they can get the better of them. Anything, maybe happen in football. In fairness, <laughs> maybe with the recent signing of Saponjic on loan, you, we never know. We never know, but we'll have to see about it. And then Real Madrid are playing Levante, and so in the Bundesliga, we have second versus third, as RB Leipzig are playing. By Leverkusen, with both teams wanting to bounce back from poor results uh, last weekend. However, if by Leverkusen win, Bayern Munich's lead at the top of the Bundesliga will be extended to 10 points. But if Leipzig win, it will stay 7. So that does show that Bayern are slowly but surely moving away with the title, which is quite disappointing especially for the competitive of the title. But obviously the race for the top four is still there. However, I I don't want to pull a dampener on this game, but in the past three games, it's finished 1-1 between both teams. So it's it's not looking that exciting. But I, I would still advise you to watch it. 
as it, it may come up with a surprise. So Leipzig are going to be without Conrad Leimer, Ibrahima Kanate, who are both out injured. Yusuf Paulson will be available for the game. But most importantly for us here is Dominic Sabozlai is is out injured, which is a shame as he won't be able to make his debut for, for a few more weeks. I can't believe we hyped him up so much and we enjoyed watching him in the in the Austrian Bundesliga and the Champions League so much. And he hasn't even made his debut yet. I'm I'm looking forward to it, honestly. I'm just I, I just wish he'd get over his injury soon. I won't be looking forward to his debut if it's made against Liverpool and he tears him a new one. Which is looking likely, but you know Which is looking very likely. <laughs> you, you you'll really want to hope he's out of form, but I think even out of form he can really just Slide past whatever poor academy kid they they decide to <laughs> to put in the can in, in in the front lines against him. Uh, well, on the other hand, Leverkusen are without Santiago Arias on loan from Atletico Madrid. Obviously, Bam Gartner, Mitchell Weiser, and Sven Bender, and then t- all out with injuries. But today, earlier on, Nadim Amiri tested positive for COVID, so that does sadly mean we're going to miss his presence on the field. But we'll just have to deal with watching flowing inverts instead. But in transfer news, Bayer Leverkusen has signed Emmanuel Fingpong from Celtic, who is a right-back. And it's their second right-back of this window after signing Timothy Fonsi Mesa from, from Manchester United. And it's pretty clear that, they are, that they're preparing for the departures of Sven and Lars Bender, who, who are both retiring at the end of the season. And... In both of those, in both the players they've signed, they've signed players that can fill in both right back and centre back. So Leverkusen showing that they are great at recruiting. Bayern Munich are against Hoffenheim. Bayern will be looking to get their revenge in this game after in the previous one, they they actually shockingly lost to Hoffenheim four one, which was which was big news at the time. But slowly, both teams have have kind of drifted in opposite directions. With um, with Bayern Munich obviously being top of the table and Hoffenheim actually falling into the bottom half, which is quite surprising. And the Hoffenheim boss Sebastian Hernes will be looking to get another scalp on his dad's team. His dad, obviously, being Uli Hernes, who used to be in the hierarchy of of Bayern Munich. Wait, is 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 that actually true? Is that actually his dad? Yes. yes. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I, I'm not going to just. Make up some funny uh, stats. I thought you were joking. Obviously, Bayern Munich are going to be looking to win a bit more convincingly this time, as in their previous wins, they haven't looked as best, apart from last weekend where they played Schalke. So you can kind of discount that, really, as Schalke being Schalke. Dortmund against Augsburg, and so they'll be looking. Dortmund will be looking to bounce back after after they lost against the mighty Borussia Mönchengladbach. While Augsburg are also coming off a, a win against high-flying Union Berlin. Uh, do we do we see Dortmund being able to address the defensive issues? I don't think so. I imagine they'll concede one or two goals from Florian Niederlicher, who has managed to regain his form. After experiencing a large goal drought, he'll probably score a header or two from some from a free kick or corner. I think it's just up to Haaland to win them the game, as it has been essentially this whole season, no? It's just going to be really him trying to score as much and just hopefully Dortmund will just be able to ignore the, the goals they concede because him and Sancho are just going to tear it up up front. I don't really see anything else happening, to be honest. 
But in, in my opinion, this this game has got it written all over it. A Dortmund slip up, as this is these are always the type of games that they that they slip up in. Finally, in the Bundesliga, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Union Berlin. Obviously, Union Berlin have been high flying, but have have not looked as convincing in in recent games, such as the game of Augsburg. Luckily for Borussia Mönchengladbach, Marcus Thuram is likely to make his full return, this time to the starting eleven after he made a cameo off the bench against Borussia Dortmund. Florian Neuhaus is, is set to perform another masterclass in this game, so keep an eye out for that. Florian Neuhaus, the man that I'm going to coin the Munich Matthäus, and I'm going to die by that name for the rest of my life. And then finally, the Zurich Ramos, Nico Ovedi, will be looking to score again. That's a reasonable nickname, I understand that. And then in transfer news in the, in, in the Bundesliga, Cologne have done some interesting business, signing Max Meyer on a free after he was released by Crystal Palace and Emmanuel Dennis. Both interesting signings for, for Cologne, both looking to the type of signings that would save them from relegation. But as it's Cologne, I, I, I doubt they'll be saved. And Mainz will probably overtake them and they'll drop into the relegation zone and then they'll get relegated. So going to have a break and then we'll be back with our goal song review and some other stuff. Welcome back from our Golson break where we've decided to throw it back. Not in that way. but And we've chosen the 2018 World Cup goal song as our, as our goal song for today. So, so Nick, how would you rate it? Incredible. Amazing. 4, 10 out of 10. It just brings back those memories of sweating my balls off in a Russian stadium, just cheering on the Peruvian national team. It's like nothing else, man. I, I just... It, just the nostalgia it brings it's so good. Ten easy ten out of ten. Not even a question about it. I'm I'm gonna go with you with that ten out of ten because obviously I didn't experience it in the stadiums. So I experienced it on my sofa every single game bar one. So now we'll look at League what Liga briefly. So Leon are against Bordeaux in them um, Leon looking to capitalise on their Saint Etienne win and try and close the three point gap on PSG and Lille. Uh the Biggest game is between Marseille and Rennes. Obviously, Marseille is a team we've we've spoken about quite a bit in recent in recent episodes, and how they have been quite poor, but are somehow pushing into the top four. Uh, while Rennes are also had they've had some tricky games in recent weeks, hence why they have been unable to properly push themselves back into that race for the top four. PSG against Lorient. In in a game that we expect PSG to win, but at this point you never know they may they may end up conceding through poor defending, which we have slated before in the past. And Lille are against Dijon as Lille look to gain and try and win more convincingly, as in previous games they have still struggled. Although they, they got the win last week against Rennes due to Don, Jonathan David goal, and the week before that due to another Jonathan David goal, they 
they haven't been as convincing as they were at the start of the season. And if they want to maintain the pace with PSG, then they're going to have to pick up their their quality, really. So in Belgium, right now, as, as we are recording, uh, the Bruges derby is happening and Club Bruges 1-2-1. And I believe you, you have some stuff to say about Beershot. Yeah, Beershot drew 0-0 against Court right yesterday. Uh, well, as the score suggests, there's not about to say about the game. It was quite boring. However, it was the second game in a row that Beershot kept a clean sheet, which led to, to an amusing, a quite amusing quote by their goalkeeper, who said, the last time I kept two clean sheets, I still had hair. For context, the Beershot goalkeeper is perfectly bold. I just thought that was a little bit fun. I just thought that was kind of quirky. I just wanted to put that out there. However, something a little bit more inf- informative and a little bit more interesting, Ajax will be playing... AZ Alkmaar on the weekend. AZ are quite interesting. They have had a little bit of a, of a rise over recent years and began challenging for, for European spots. They, they played in the Europa League this season and they came quite close also to, to winning the title until the, until the season was cut short because of Corona, right? And then the title was just just given to Ajax. But, they, but that match will, will happen and well, Ajax have had this, this good streak against against their their close opposition recently so i don't expect there to be too much trouble but we'll wait and see and finally Meza Ozil was announced by Fenerbahce hopefully we'll see him make his debut against Kaker Rizespor and we'll finally be able to watch him grace the pitch yeah it's been a while since i since i was able to watch him play obviously because arsenal just decided to to throw him to the gutter for some reason but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it and I will just love to watch him play and I'll love to watch Fenerbahce play because Turkish football is always exciting. And it'd be, it'd be interesting to see whether Ozil can can carry Fenerbahce to a title, which would be their first in, in a good few years. So so that is it today. This This will probably be a bit shorter than normal, but we thought because we had a, a monster episode on Monday, you, you can deal with with a lot shorter one. And hopefully for the new people, if if, if you are here, we we have still left a, left a lasting impression on you that you stick around for future episodes where we can talk about more than what we've talked about because obviously there, there had not been that much football worthy of talking about this week. So please like, share, rate us, whatever. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, we'll see you see you on Monday. And if you're a professional footballer, DM us so you can come on a guest as our, on our show.